Thank you, Jared. Pleasure. And uh, good to be with you. And uh, great to launch into this uh, new sermon series. Uh, kind of a continuity, as Jared said, from the period of history uh, that we were in with Esther. But uh, Ezra, here we are at the start of the book of Ezra. And I'm so excited for what we're going to learn. Um, and when I say learn, I don't just mean head knowledge. I mean, if you've been a Christian for any period of time, you'll know as we examine the scriptures, they examine us. And as we go through this, I'm sure we'll be inspired and challenged and comforted and perhaps even changed as we go through this series together. So I'm really excited for all that it has to offer to us. And we finally um, find the people of God, the exiles, beginning to return home. And uh, as we read those stories, I expect some of us, although we haven't been away for half a century, um, might begin to think of our return, hopefully, in the coming months back to church and society's return to some degree of normality, um, although things will be new and will have changed. Uh, during this series, we'll see um, the power of prophetic words at timely moments. We'll see the priority of worship. We'll see that no blessing goes uncontested and that unity amongst the people of God is really important, that leadership has its time and place and role. But we'll also see that no plan of God will ever fail. No plan of God will ever fail. And uh, this morning, as we launch into the series, uh, uh, I've entitled this morning's talk, What Can Happen When God Births a Vision? It's not Vision Sunday. We're kind of going to go there a little bit with vision stuff, but then a good healthy dose of reality towards the end. But the title of the talk, I guess, is What Can Happen When God Births a Vision? And the whole sermon series we've called Renew, just simply Renew. And you can uh, download the sermon series notes from the website. Um, you might have received them in an email as well as you hopefully track along in life groups. Renew because there's a, there's a return and a rebuilding and a restoration and a re-envisioning all kind of happening. But also, whilst there is some continuity, God is doing a new thing. It's not a restart because God was at work in exile, drawing his people to repentance and humility and then back to him. Uh, God was at work before then sending his people into exile. So there's a continuity, but there's also a brand new chapter for the people of God. God is doing a new thing, not just amongst the hydrangeas or whatever it was in um, Ian's garden. God is doing a new thing amongst us. So renew. And we pray that in this season and in the coming months, God might renew, regenerate his church with new and more vigorous life. So, as we dive into chapter one, God births a vision. And we've got some visual aids Ooh. here. So, Jared, you're going to be on top of that, aren't you? This is the That's, moment for oh, the first reveal. Exciting. God births a vision. What's for that one? Okay. There we go. Oh. We've got a baby. Got a baby. God births a vision. You see what, see what I did Not, there? Yeah. But also, vision specifically for what? Oh, What's that sorry. picture of? That, is, that is, looks like a temple. That's a temple. Like that. So, dive again into um, the start of Ezra chapter. You can put them down now. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. Or you can hold on to the baby if you really want, but that might be a bit weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. okay. Um, so, uh, God births a vision, an extraordinary God births a vision um, in, sorry, I'm going to be looking at this one, aren't I? God births a vision in uh, a pagan king, someone who doesn't even know him or worship him. I have, a, I have a glance down at verses one and two of the chapter again, and they might appear on the screen for you too. In the first year of 
King Cyrus of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, it's a fulfillment of God's prophecy, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and to put it into writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of earth and has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Now just pause here for a second. God moved the heart of Cyrus. In Esther, we saw the hidden hand of God at work, God always working for the good of his people. Here, we see his hand, and he's at work amongst someone who doesn't even worship him, someone who's not a follower of the Jewish God, Yahweh, birthing in him a big vision to rebuild the temple. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, there's a couple of quick applications right from the off on this. One is never stop praying for our leaders. Whether they're Christians or not, we, we long that God would raise up more and more Christian people into places of local and national government. But whether they're Christians or not, pray that God will use them. And secondly, another application, and perhaps particularly relevant through this season of Lent and approaching Easter, a celebration of new life and faith, who are the people that, that you might have grown tired in praying for, that they might their hearts might be moved by God. Because if he can move a pagan king in a far-off land, he can move the hearts of your friend and family and co-worker. Who are you praying for that they might discover Easter faith this year? A couple of quick applications from that. But as we move on, God births a vision in a king, and then God births a vision, that same vision, in his people. So verse 5 of chapter 1. Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin the priests and the Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. God is doing something new. He's stirring the hearts of a pagan king, but he's also stirring the hearts of his people. And notice how if God is birthing something big, he'll tend to speak to more than one person about it. It can be a good way of discerning whether maybe a vision or a sense of call that God is giving you in this season. Uh, whether it's of God. Have you shared it with one or two other trusted colleagues? Do they get a sense of excitement? Does, in our times of dwell and at other times, uh, like the 24 hours of prayer this week, do we see the same things coming up again and again that God might be putting on the, a call on his people, on his church, to renew and regenerate his church in the coming weeks, months, and years? If God moves... In one, your heart, in someone's heart, he's likely to stir up a similar thing in other people too. It's a good way of testing vision. And I want to say here as well, I'm not just talking about, I don't think I'm just talking about church stuff here. This isn't just about, a, it, God might be birthing an idea for a new church ministry or something in you. It might be that there's some people who he's calling to new positions of leadership or even to ordination through this time. But... I'm also thinking about local businesses or charities, ways of combating injustice or climate change, new callings and visions that God might be placing on your heart. Perhaps there's someone watching who might be our next member of parliament or even prime minister one day. Who knows? God births vision. But then, second point, I guess, and you can... Ooh, next one. I'm on. God's vision is, is followed by God's provision. 
There Whoa. you go. God's vision is followed by Check God's that. provision. So have Sizing. a look at verses 6 and 7 of uh, chapter 1 with me. This, you can see a cow and, cow sheep, and some, some gold coins. Gold coins, money. everyone. Yeah, yeah, and you'll see the relevance. It's 6 and 7, verses 6 and 7. All their neighbors, all the neighbors of the Jews, this is, who were going to return, assisted them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with valuable gifts, in addition to all the free will offerings. Moreover, King Cyrus brought out all the articles belonging to the temple of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and placed in the temple of his God. Again, this is, this is an extraordinary thing that God is doing. God's vision is followed by God's provision. If it's a plan of God, it will never fail, and he will provide for his vision. And here we see God providing practically, prophetically, symbolically. Practically, with the finances that they're going to need, with the livestock that they can resettle the land with and provide for themselves, not least on the long journey home. And it's no small vision. They're going to need a lot of provision. And God provides them abundantly with, for their practical needs. He also provides them prophetically. And this could be missed, but what's happening here with all of their neighbors showering them with gifts and free will offerings and livestock and it would have rung a bell for the people of God. It would have made them go, oh, this, this feels like a God thing that's happening. It would have encouraged them because this is exactly what happened for the Jews when they left Egypt hundreds of years earlier. After that first Passover, when they were allowed to leave Egypt, they were given free will offerings and cattle and goods. And that would have just rung a bell. They would go, this feels like God again sending us on and back to the promised land. So he provides for them practically. There's a prophetic sense, an echo of the things that God has done in the past. Some of the things that, new things that God may birth in the coming months and years. One of the ways we might feel like, yeah, this is a God thing, is it might just have that echo. That, ring, that sounds like something God would do. There's just something, it rings, it sounds like God. So practically, prophetically, but also symbolically. So all the articles and treasures, items that were used in public worship in the temple of God, are given back to the people of God to take back to their rightful place in the rebuilt temple. When I read that, I couldn't help but be reminded of, um, some of you may know in my previous role before coming here, one of the things, the adventures that we went on is we, we relaunched a church that had been closed for many years, or rather God did and used us to do that. And a small group of people, exiles as it were, came back and worship started in that place again. And I, I'll never forget, on the first Sunday back, this woman I'd never met before came up to me just before the service and handed me um, a, a kneeling cushion. If you know what one of those is from like traditional churches, like the cushion sometimes go on the back of the chair and you maybe kneel on it to pray. And it, it looks quite ordinary, if I'm honest, and a little bit battered. But then she explained the story behind it. And she said, my husband used to be the church warden in this church before it closed many years ago. He knelt on this cushion and prayed many prayers for this church. He's now gone to be with Jesus, but I wanted on this day when God is doing a new thing to return it to its rightful place. It was powerful, powerful that first Sunday. 
And there must have been, it must have been powerful for the priests and the people of God returning to see these things that were so treasured, such a treasured part of their worship life being returned to them and being returned to the rightful place, their rightful place in Jerusalem. He provides practically, he provides prophetically, it rings true of God, he provides um, symbolically. And there are applications for us in the coming um, weeks and months and years for, in all of this, I'm sure. If God births a vision, he'll probably stir it up in multiple people. It'll be one of the ways we can test it. It'll probably be a big vision, bigger than we can, humanly speaking, achieve by ourselves. It will require his provision to fulfill his vision. And it will probably ring true. It'll feel like he's providing practically, financially, but also prophetically, symbolically. There'll be moments where we just go, God's with us. Lastly, as I come in to close uh, this morning, God bursts a vision, he provides for his vision, and then finally, and looking to chapter two, every person matters. Every person matters. Ready? You go for it. I can see you are itching oh, over there to sorry. reveal it. You need to take that. That's yeah. a tub, isn't it? This is yeah, You ready? <gasps> oh, oh, come on, oh, no. Loads of Lego people. You are the Lego people. So every person matters. As we read um, chapter two, and you'll probably be quite glad we didn't read every name oh, and yeah. all the numbers in chapter two. Uh, Jared is definitely pleased. We didn't do that. I was tempted. Yes. Um, uh, uh, but we can get lost. We could get lost in all of the names and the numbers, but we could miss actually the important truth that goes underneath all of those names and those numbers. And that's every person matters. As we read it, it turns out every donkey and every yeah. camel matters as well. You can read it in um, verse 64 um, to 67 onwards. Glance at that again. Um, the whole company numbered 42,360. It carries on 435 yeah, camels. It's a lot. 6,700 something donkeys. Yeah. Um, people gave free will offerings. They were, they were owning the vision. Um, everybody gave according to their ability, and it tells you how many drachmas of gold and miners of silver. Um, you know what? If every church needs their detailed person that, that count the camels and the yeah. donkeys, it's, in, it's, in, it's made it into the Bible. If you're one of those detailed persons, if you're the treasurer, if you're maybe safeguarding, it's important. <laughs> yeah. We love you. You're important. The detailed people are important. Um, thank you for counting the camels. God be with you. It makes it into the Bible. Um, <laughs> Uh, we love those people. But more seriously, as you look at uh, the uh, list of people who returned, notice this. Every person is numbered, is identified by their family or their hometown. No one is without rooting. No one, everybody has an identity. Some people are highlighted as well by their calling or their gifting, temple gatekeepers or servants, their priests. Everyone matters. We've got priests who lead the people of God in worship and uh, in teaching the Word of God. And that probably goes for the kids and the youth teams as well, and the life group leaders, if we were to apply it to us. We've got the temple gatekeepers mentioned, as you read through. That's probably Sarah's host team or something. We've got temple servants mentioned. That's uh, the AV guys right now and on the live stream. Um, uh, that's you guys. Thank you so much. Maybe subcommittee are in there too. Um, I might be drawing it too far, but we've even got, we've got the worship leaders and the musicians are mentioned. These guys are mentioned. Jamie and his bands, they're, they're all mentioned. They're in here in verse 41 and 65. Every person matters. And we've got thousands of people mentioned who might not be involved in public worship or anything, 
but clearly are crucial to the vision of rebuilding the temple, of repopulating that community, that society. We've got the, the teachers and the farmers and the key workers and the social media influencers and the entrepreneurs and the artists and the creatives. Every person matters. Everyone was involved. Everybody matters. Every story matters. Every gift given matters. You matter. Your vision matters. The calling of God, the shape and gifting of you matters to the renewing, regenerating of church and society that God might be beginning to lead us on. But this is where the healthy dose of reality comes in. Because this isn't a vision talk. I'm not about to announce this, that, and the other vision target. Uh, Remember in this story, place yourself in the story, this is actually also just the beginning of a very, very long journey. A, A return journey to Jerusalem through a desert place. And some people... Uh, They're homeward bound at last, they're free, and they've got that hope, but there's a desert to journey through. And everyone probably has their own baggage. They're probably a little bit battered or bruised by exile in different ways, physically, emotionally, spiritually. There's a long journey to go. Even after they arrive back in Jerusalem, there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, Some might come back with more energy and vision and can hold on to that more easily and readily than others. Others, spiritually speaking, are probably practically having to be carried home by other members of their family, disillusioned by exile. There are some there that would have been the early adopters, so to speak, inspired by a big vision to rebuild the temple. There would have been others just exhausted at the thought of it. There might have been others in the middle who just felt like they were being more realistic, recognizing that there's years to come, that recognizing the, the size of the task, recognizing the opposition that they're going to face, the, the cost financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually of the challenges to come. But they're in it together, this band of brothers and sisters journeying through the desert on the way home. And I wonder how you would have felt in that troop, in that family journeying along? Would you have been one of the early adopters or maybe not? Would you have been full of energy and vision or maybe less so? Would you feel felt battered and bruised? Or would you have, are you one of the ones that have found deep wells, deeper wells of God's Spirit in this time? I imagine the scene as the people of God helped carry one another's burdens. Some would have told stories of old and others their hopes for the future. There would have been tears, I expect, and laughter at different moments. People needing to care for one another and encourage one another, singing songs as they went and as they returned up to Jerusalem, maybe the Psalms of Ascent as they went home. Every person matters. Every gift matters. Every story matters. Every vision, idea matters. You matter. And whether 
you're called to the rebuilding of church stuff, and I hope you all are, or whether your heart is also moved to visions in terms of like the rebuilding of society. You, your calling, your shape matters. And as we continue this journey, even as we journey back, even out of exile, I pray that God births vision in you, gives you hope. Spring, new life is coming. But I pray also that we journey together, gently carrying one another's burdens. Some of us will be battered and bruised. Some of us will be at the front, middle, or back of this journey. But we're in it together, and we're homeward bound. Shall we pray?